Welcome to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein. It's nearly three years after the 2020 election when Donald Trump lost the presidential race to Joe Biden, including falling more than 10,000 votes short of defeating Biden in Arizona. But among certain Republicans, even with court after court ruling that Trump lost a legally run election, conspiratorial thinking still exists, along with a feeling that the election was somehow stolen. That was at the core of a battle between the Maricopa County Supervisors, a majority Republican body, and state Senate Republicans during and after the so-called ballot recount. The one official GOP Senate holdout who wouldn't even consider sending the county supervisors to jail for what other Senate Republicans considered a lack of cooperation was Paul Boyer. Boyer chose not to run for re-election in 2022 and officially left the legislature as last year came to a close. But Boyer hasn't left politics. He's running for mayor of Glendale, and he's here today as my guest on the AZ Politicast podcast, which starts now. You've been known as an elected official, and now you're trying your hand at a different office. You're obviously someone who grew up in the West Valley. You obviously care about Glendale, and you're running for mayor of Glendale. As someone who's had an impact on the community in lots of ways, why is uh, Mayor of Glendale the good next step for you? Well, because Glendale desperately needs a leadership change. We have a mayor who has picked a fight. I mean, it's very public with the Coyotes. We all know about that. He's picked a fight currently with the Cardinals, with the White Sox, with Camelback Ranch, and also publicly with the Glendale Chamber of Commerce. And that's gotten into the media. The attorneys are getting involved. And we have a unelected official, a city manager who really runs the city. And so the, the residents of Glendale feel like their voice isn't heard. Let me give you one example. So there's a short term, or I'm sorry, a long term uh, apartment complex that, that's proposed to, to get built at, at Bell and 73rd Ave. And the residents don't want it because they don't want a three story building where people can look into literally into their backyards uh, just to be built literally in their backyard. And that meeting that night went to 11.30 p.m. And so it's almost as if they don't want the public to be there. It's like they don't care about the public. And, and that's just one example. And there's I could give you so many examples where one more, Glen Lakes. It, it used to be a golf course at 55th Avenue Northern. The entire Land Planning Commission voted to keep it. So naturally, the council voted to get rid of it. The <laughs> residents didn't want it. Not one single resident said, yeah, let's let's get rid of it. And of course, the council didn't care. The mayor didn't care. And so that's where we are. Well, so Paul, if you were to win election as an ex-mayor of Glendale, is there a way as far as how the city is run so that if in fact the city manager and the mayor didn't agree, are there ways to go about this? Or is this a, a situation where as, as many cities in the Valley have it, the city manager does have a lot of power. The mayor is simply one vote on the council. How does it work there? And how much would you be able to influence things that you want to? Yeah, so right now it's really a 4-3 council, sometimes 5-2. And if you have four votes, you can really do whatever you want. And, and that's what, and I call it the blob, where the blob votes with whatever the city manager wants to happen. So for example, uh, the city manager doesn't even need to let other council members know about a land deal that, you know, either he's bought or, or he's planning on selling property. If he has the, if he has four votes, he can literally show up that day and say, okay, here's my four votes and we're voting to, to sell this, this piece of downtown property. So, for example, in 2018, Glendale sold a building that we bought for nearly a million dollars. We sold it for $25,000. No public notice, no public bid, and prime downtown property. And, and the headline with the, in the Republic was, Glendale just sold a building 
and it's downtown for $25,000. Was it a backdoor deal? And so these things happen all the time in Glendale and it has to change. So to answer your question directly, yeah. So that will change that four, three dynamic where we can get a new city manager who actually listens to the council and doesn't think he's the elected official in the room and, and disrespects council members that he he quite frequently disagrees with. What are some of the challenges that exist in Glendale and some of the, what are some of the things you're most optimistic about? Yeah. So the biggest challenge, maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest challenges is our sales tax. In 2012, the council voted for a temporary sales tax. Now, as we know, <laughs> temporary taxes are never temporary. <laughs> and so in 2017, when, when the tax was fit to expire, the council voted to make it permanent. So six years later, after the temporary sales tax was supposed to go away, we now have the second largest sales tax in the entire uh, Maricopa County. Uh, Buckeye is the only one that's just a, a one-tenth of a percentage above us. And, and that impacts our, I would say, our long-term fiscal health. Now, we've got a lot of buildings. We've got a lot of groundbreakings in Glendale, and that's great. Uh, but that's one time. That, that's one-time revenues where you've got a lot of construction going on. You've got a lot of uh, suppliers that are coming in, and you know they're there, there's a lot of economic revenue that's being generated currently, but long-term with, with such a high sales tax, the fact that we're not even talking about it, uh, the council isn't even, every time a council member brings it up, every and it happens every year, and the mayor says, nope, we're not going to talk about it. Near universal issue that most cities in the Valley are dealing with as well is affordable housing. Not unique to Arizona, certainly, but a big deal here. What is that as far as Glendale's concerned? How big a challenge is that and how important is that to you? Yeah, for sure. It's been a significant challenge, uh, like every other city is experiencing in the state of Arizona, and and they're doing a, a fairly decent job of it. I mean, there have there has been construction going on in Glendale, including some of the uh, the the not not the huge uh, rental taxes or rental rates that you've seen uh, maybe in Scottsdale or some other other cities in the, in, the, in the city uh, throughout the state. So yeah, that that is something that if you can't obviously if you can't afford a home, you're going to be homeless. Now there's I've seen that there's two types of homeless. There's the homeless that want to live on the streets, which is very challenging because no matter what services you put in front of them, they just don't want them. But there's also another type of homeless people that uh, are living in their cars because they can't afford it. They've either been kicked out, their rent's been raised, or they just can't afford a home. And those are the people that I think I would really like to focus on. Uh, of course, making sure we clean up the, the the former as well, making sure we do whatever we can to protect uh, Glendale residents, but also making sure that any resident that is looking for work uh, needs a higher paying job so they can afford a home or even just their rent. Uh, we, we need to provide that for them and also work with our, our faith communities. Uh, like, for example, there's uh, Pure Heart in, in uh, just down the road at 43rd and Thunderbird. They're doing great work with that population right now. How much of responsibility do you put on government and how much do you put on faith organizations or nonprofit organizations to help when it comes to dealing with some of these problems? Well, I mean, government can't do everything. And that's why there's a monthly meeting that happens at, at the church that my wife and I got married in actually in downtown Glendale, the Methodist church down there. They meet once a month and they're a bunch of faith-based organizations and they're doing everything they can to address the homeless population. And as, a, as mayor of Glendale, uh, I will work with anybody and everybody who is willing to help uh, the city do the things that we can't do, uh, that we're, we shouldn't even try to do to make sure that we can get everybody, as many people as we can off the streets. Well, obviously most of us got to know you because you were a state lawmaker, very impactful in a lot of ways. 
But one of the things I happened to spend a day at the League of Arizona Cities and Towns Conference. And so it made me think about the battles between the feds and the state, and then the state and county or city and whatnot. So moving on, if in fact you become mayor of Glendale, you're going to be moving from a role where you had been a state lawmaker for a number of years. And there are a lot of people obviously in city leadership positions who think, well, legislature, stay off our back, stop bigfooting us. Can you give me your perspective on that as someone who uh, obviously has been a resident of a city, but also was a state lawmaker and had to deal with some of these issues? What about that battle between cities and, and the state? Yeah, the battle is real. And I didn't realize it until Big Tobacco was trying to market to kids and move in, you know, next door to to school so they can, you know, sell w- whether it was vape or whether it was actually uh, cigarettes to kids. And, and it was so frustrating because my colleagues just didn't seem, my, especially my Republican colleagues, didn't seem to care to the, where the point you've got even uh, Grover Norquist is sending emails <laughs> to my mm. Senate Republicans saying, hey, uh, support this bill that preempts local cities. So I didn't even realize myself how much of a local control guy I be I was <laughs> until that they picked that battle with us uh, here at the city level. I'm thinking, so his his organization, even Alec got involved. Alec Ooh. is, you know, the organization, the conservative legislative exchange council. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so they're focused on free enterprise and limited government and so forth. And they're getting involved in 91 cities activities in the state of Arizona. Are you kidding me? And so that was so frustrating, uh, not only with that, but then also with the flat tax discussion back in, I think, I believe it was 2021 or 22, uh, where I was negotiating on behalf of uh, cities. I mean, they didn't ask me to, but I, I just felt compelled to because I live in Glendale and I wanna make sure that police and fire were protected. And because of the reduction and the state shared revenue that would have been a huge hit to Glendale and also North uh, Phoenix. I also represented Phoenix as well. It would have been a huge hit to both of my cities that I made sure that we increased our state shared revenue percentage from 15 to 18% just to hold them harmless. And to me, what was f- most frustrating is my colleagues at the state legislature just didn't seem to care. And they kept saying, oh, they'll absorb the, the hits. You know, they'll, they'll just, they'll take care of themselves. They'll be fine. Well, is that a battle you're ready to fight in this different sort of role? And I wonder how important is it going to be for you, if you're mayor, to have a good relationship with those lawmakers? Oh, it'll be critical. And because as you saw over the last few years, and in fact, right now, when you've got a one vote difference, I mean, that's a make or break for for cities. And so the legislation that was being pushed by, uh, I forget which organization, but Steve Kaiser was running that would have, uh, again, uh, gutted cities, local control, on housing and zoning. I mean, zoning is one of their main, you know, the city's main jobs and responsibilities. And zoning in Bowie San Simone or Snowflake is going to be a lot different than Phoenix or Scottsdale. <laughs> and so to say that you can have a cookie cutter approach is is ridiculous. And so that's why it's critical for, for mayors, for local elected officials to make sure they have strong relationships with the legislature, also with the governor's office. A couple more minutes left with my guest, former state senator Paul Boyer, now a mayoral candidate in the city of Glendale. So, Paul, I saved some of the fun stuff for last, one of the more philosophical stuff. You're someone who's very much into history and you're very much into obviously teaching Latin these days as well. You know, you were in the midst, as you know, of the battle um, over the the so-called ballot recount and whether President Trump, former President Trump, actually lost in Arizona in 2020. That became such a battle that became it was headlines everywhere. And some of them just seemed absurd in many ways. But what is currently the state, do you think, of the Republican Party in Arizona 
in terms of moving forward away from some of the losses of 2020, 2022, in order for the party to be, I don't know, let's say more of a mainstream conservative party as it was in Arizona for many decades? Well, I mean, I'm old school. I actually like to win elections. And (laughs) if we want to win elections moving forward, so say hypothetically, say you really truly believe in your heart of hearts, the election was stolen, even though you can't prove it, you can't come up with any actual evidence, but you really believe that the election was stolen, it's not going to do you any good if you keep harping on that because voters don't want that. They want a positive future forward-looking vision for whatever office you happen to be running for. And so all of this talk about looking you know, to the past, there's a small minority that are very vocal about that. But for by and large, independents certainly don't care. Uh, many in the Republican Party don't care. It's just a, it's just a minority of the Republican Party that is hyper-focused on it. And at the end of the day, you're going to lose elections, which we saw at the state legislature. We shouldn't be 31 and 16 right now. We should have a more significant majority than we do because, because we're focused on the past as a party. There has to be more to this than the quote-unquote cult of Donald Trump, considering the fact that that he lost, uh, Republicans lost the U.S. Senate because of his behavior and accusations of what happened in Georgia, which kept a lot yep. of voters home. Paul, why is it that so many Republicans, even if it's still a majority of Republicans, it's a pretty high percentage of those who at least take active part in primaries, having been involved in the midst of this as you were, why do you think this is, has has held for, again, a pretty good percentage? I mean, this is not like 2% of the party. I'm not saying it's 75% either, but it's a pretty significant percentage. Well, I think it's encapsulated in the one line that he said pretty recently when when Donald Trump said, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you. And I think that the general public that supports him, you know, the the minority of the party that supports him, they do so vociferously because it's not it's no longer just about him, but it's about them. And I think that they they see an attack on him is almost an attack on them. And that's why they're they're fighting tooth and nail for for him to to get reelected and to to become the nominee again. Whether it's one philosophical thing or whether it's one specific thing, is there something you most enjoyed or appreciated or respected about being in the legislature and one thing that just drove you the most crazy? Yeah. The one thing I I missed the most is anytime someone would come to me with with a a problem like, hey, uh, Senator Boyer, here's an issue and we just can't fix it. Can you help? And I could just call legislative counsel, the attorneys over there say, hey, Here's a problem. Here's a, here's the solution. Can you draft it for me? I'd like to run this bill. And now, of course, obviously, I can't do that any longer. I can't just come up with a solution. For example, when uh, driving on a suspended license. So if you couldn't pay a fine or, uh, you, yeah, you just couldn't afford it, then it, then you, there'd be more fines and then there'd be more legal issues that you ramifications. Now in Phoenix, in particular, in Arizona generally. You have to be able to drive. You have to be able to get to work so you can pay off your fines. But if you can't because of your suspended license. And so that was just one fix that, that we put in, in, in state statute to allow people to continue to go to work on their on their driver, not uh, on their suspended license, not for, you know, for medical and for school, for like the necessities of life. And I just I can no longer do that uh, unless I was able to go back to, to the legislature. As far as the frustrations, uh, it's encapsulated. I won't tell you who. But I had a a senator come up to me after I voted no on his bill. And he's like, Paul, thank you so much for voting no on on that bill. And I I said, you know, you didn't have to run this right. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, this organization really wanted me to run it. (laughs) Whether we talk about Gates, Richer, yourself, did you feel courageous when you were standing up to some of what 
most of the state thought was a little bit crazy when it came to the recount, potentially jailing the board of supervisors. Uh, what gave you the uh, the backbone to stick up to this? Yeah, so I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and there's not a whole lot of examples in scripture of um, in politics, really. I mean, Daniel is probably one of the best examples. He served; he was the number two uh, in the government at the time. But other than him, uh, there, there, there's not a, a ton of examples. And of course, um, the values that are found in Scripture. I mean, I, I take that with me, you know, every day, no matter what I do, whether it's teaching Latin or serving in the state legislature. But there's this one line by Socrates in the Apology of, of Plato, if you've ever read it, where Socrates was on a on a committee. And he was the only no vote and he almost lost his life over it. And he would have if the government didn't fall. If you remember, it was the uh, near the end of the Peloponnesian War, the Spartans won and they installed the 30 tyrants. And so because of the change in government, Socrates didn't lose his life. But there's a line that sticks with me where he said, I, I could care less about my life. But what I do care about is that I don't commit an act of injustice. Like he wanted to live his life in such a way where he never committed an act of injustice. And that really stuck with me. That no matter what I did at the legislature, that whether I, when I'm meeting with lobbyists or however I'm voting, that I'm not committing any act of injustice. That's a wonderful way to end. Former state lawmaker Paul Boyer, now a mayoral candidate in the city of Glendale. Paul, thanks so much for the time and good luck. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks again to Paul Boyer for spending some time with me and giving his reasons for running for mayor of Glendale and trying to explain the current divide in the Republican Party. To hear previous editions of the AZ Politicast podcast, please search Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll be able to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have guests and topic suggestions, send them to me at azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast.